Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. We're starting a new series called Comfort. We're just going to jump right into the text. And so we're going to be looking at us out of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Starting with verse 3, it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and your salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Then verse 8, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul writes to this church in in Corinth And do you get, as he kicks off this letter, the second letter to the Corinthians, do you get what he's talking about? Do you understand the word, like what's the primary word he's using? Like he talks about suffering, he talks about troubles, but what is the word that he uses? You can say it out loud. Comfort. That's right. Nine times in 11 verses he says the word comfort. 29 times in the book of 2 Corinthians he says the word comfort. Like this, is, like this is something that he wants them to understand the comfort of God. So in this series, we're going to be looking at some passages, key passages, to better understand the God of all comfort. And I believe that this is a timely series because I think that there are, I believe that there are some of you in this room that that comfort seems fleeting. It seems like it's not there. And you need it. You need God to speak to you. You need God to encourage you. Um, You know, as you see, I wore my short sleeve shirt today because I'm in faith believing in spring. (laughs) Right? And we love spring. Aren't you glad it's it's getting to springtime, right? Because oftentimes what happens is we all know that sensation, that sensation of kind of a long winter and then that sensation of feeling like, yes, it's springtime. It's time to feel free. It's time to, to wear shorts. It's time to ride motorcycles. I mean, that's what's on my mind is riding motorcycles a lot. You know, I just, I'm, in fact, I got an invitation from a guy. I met a guy on Thursday and he was like, Hey, you know, we, at our church, we meet, meet every Saturday for breakfast and, and riding, and would you be interested? I'm like, I'm there, you know, <laughs> because it's springtime. You know, and those are the ways I begin to really get, feel this relief from winter. And I think in many ways, culturally, we are at that place, right? Where metaphorically, we're kind of leaving this long, well, we can label all kinds of things, this long COVID winter or this long uh, 
political craziness winter. <laughs> this long winter of sickness and death and ill health, and we're kind of moving into this, beginning to experience the spring of God's comfort. And when we experience his comfort, Paul says, we are able to comfort others. We'll get back to that in a second. <clears throat> before, we, uh, before we moved here, my family and I, before we moved to, to Iowa, we were living in, in Huntington Beach, California. You should have seen when we first got here, you know, the, the conversations we would have. You know, I'd, they'd say, I'd meet people. I'm eager to meet people. I'm, I'm coming here to plant a church, right? So I'm eager to meet people. So I'm meeting people, and they'll say, oh, so where are you from? I'm like, well, we just moved from Huntington Beach, California. And they would all look at me like, why? Like, why are you here? You're an idiot for even, no, I shouldn't have said that. You're just crazy for even deciding to do that, right? And, and I thought, no, oh, you just don't understand. You don't understand the call of God. And then the first winter hit, and I'm like, yeah, why am I here? <laughs> you know, because I had never lived in this kind of weather. I didn't know what, I'd never lived where there was snow. But anyways, <clears throat> We moved from, from Huntington Beach, California. Huntington Beach is, con, is, con, is considered Surf City, USA, you know? And so because we lived there, we spent a lot of time at the beach. And at the beach, you'll find these signs. I kind of had to modify the sign a little bit to, uh, to, to fit on this screen. It's actually a long sign, typically. But uh, it's a sign that explains rip currents. I don't know if you're familiar with a rip current. But it's basically a sign that gets posted along the beach to help people uh, understand what to do if they get caught in a rip current, okay? And so they put this all over the beach so that people can see it and then say, oh, I saw that. I know what to do when I get stuck or caught in a rip current. So the idea of a rip current, you know, somebody's like, you know, you're on the, sh on the surf, you know, you're just having a good time at the beach, you know, you're mindless, you're not really thinking about a whole lot of things, you're just... You're like, man, I wish I would have lost a little bit more weight before I put this bathing suit on. Maybe that's what you're thinking, you know. But you're there, the, the water's coming out, you know, the, the waves are crashing in. And then as the waves are pulling back out, it feels just a little stronger than usual. And so you, the normal thing we do is we kind of resist the wave, you know, but the wave kind of, you might take a step back, you know, and then the wave goes out, comes back in, and then it comes back out again, and again it's pushing and you're like, okay, it's not a big deal. I mean, the wave is pushing a little bit, but it's not that big of a deal until you get to that point where you step back and there is nothing underneath your feet. And like, oh, okay, it's not a big deal, but you realize that suddenly you're being taken out to sea. The current is pulling you away. And so instinctively what we do when that happens, we just begin to swim, try to get back to where we can feel the, the sand again, right? But what happens is you start swimming and you just can't, you're just getting no traction. You're not getting anywhere. You're just, it seems like you just keep going backwards and backwards and backwards. And so these signs are posted to say, listen, that's not what you do. I mean, that's what you want to do, right? You want to swim back to the shore, but that's not what you do to escape the rip current, there's a way you kind of go to your left or right, or you let it take you out and you swim back around. And that's what they post these signs for, right? And this happens a lot, actually. I mean, these signs are there to prepare you, but it's interesting that lifeguards will tell you that 80% of rescues are people who get caught in a rip current. And they didn't know what to do. So they started swimming against the current, trying to get back, and they can't get back, and they get exhausted, and before long, they're just, they're going underwater, right? And so their lifeguards will have to step out and save. And I think that's a little bit of where some of us are in this season. Like we've, we've been caught in a current. 
And we've tried. We didn't expect it. We thought it was not a big deal, but, but after a while, it just started sweeping us away. And I feel like that might be some of you in this room, if you're in Cedar Rapids watching us, it's probably some of you in that room where you feel like you've tried and tried, but now you're just tired. You're exhausted. And now relationships are falling apart. Your job is not as exciting anymore. You're not sure if you even want to work there anymore. And this season has kind of created that, like, like we feel exhaustion because we've been swept away in a current. <clears throat> For some of you, you feel like you've been caught in a current of fear. Like there's all this anxiety and pressure happening around you and you're not sure what's going to happen next. Like you, you just, you know, there's, there's just so much that's going on around and you just don't know what to do with it and you start feeling this sensation of anxiety and you're afraid. You're afraid you might get sick. You're afraid you might lose your job. You're afraid that your relationship will break up. You're afraid that, uh, that you know, that maybe the economy will fall through. You're caught in this current of fear and you're just exhausted and afraid. Some of you might feel like you're caught in a current of loneliness. It's interesting, loneliness can be like this emotional drowning, you know? Like you just want to, you don't want to be lonely, but you feel like you're just drowning in loneliness, you know? We were, uh, when we were in Sri Lanka just a few weeks ago, I was, there was a young missionary, a missionary from India, um, uh, she, uh, she came up to me for prayer, and she, and she began to explain her situation. She said, I have been, I've been struggling with depression. I've been struggling with loneliness and depression, she said. I began to ask her some more questions, kind of know a little bit more about her story, and uh, what she pointed it to was she said that um, when, when COVID hit in India, I mean, India shut down. I mean, it locked down tight. Like you, there, there was, you had to have permission to go to the grocery store. I mean, there was just no getting out. <clears throat> and she said that at that moment, she just, just communication with her friends just stopped. And she would often go visit people in different towns or, you know, catch a train to a friend's, you know, friend in the south of it, whatever. She'd do all this traveling. Now she wasn't traveling at all. And over time, she began to, she was feeling lonely. And over time, she began to feel depressed. And then, as this depression kind of mounted, she would feel lonely. And the more lonely she felt, the less she wanted to connect with people and the more depressed she felt. And the more depressed she felt, the less she wanted to connect with people and the more lonely she felt. And it was just a cycle and it was like this current that she was getting sucked into. She was just caught in this current of loneliness and depression. Some of you might feel caught in a current of sin. Like the waves of temptation just seem to be coming a little bit more intensely during this time. I mean, it shouldn't surprise us, right? This happens to us often. We're getting emotionally exhausted. It shouldn't surprise us that that discouragement and disobedience seem to always find each other. Like you're emotionally exhausted, you're discouraged, and suddenly you're more vulnerable to temptation. And we fall into sin. I heard someone say this once. Morale problems, morale, M-O-R-A-L-E, morale problems have a way of becoming moral problems. When you're discouraged, when you're down, when you're exhausted, we're just so much more open to the temptation and to sin. 
And so Paul's gonna write to this church and he's gonna help them understand what to do. Like just like those signs on the beach, you know, that kind of give us information on what to do. Paul basically is doing that for these believers. He doesn't want them, when trouble comes, he doesn't want them when, when they're struggling to be swept away by the current. He wants them to be prepared, right? And so in verses three and four, he says this, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, listen to this, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our trouble. So Paul's talking about troubles here, and he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing that Paul is trying to tell us here is that we need to remember who God is. We need, when we're struggling, when we're exhausted, when we're feeling discouraged, we need to remember who God is. Now he uses here, it's interesting, he uses here the Father of compassion. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. <clears throat> in my experience, Father and compassion don't always go together. That you don't have to raise your hand, but is that anybody else's experience? Like my dad wasn't the most compassionate guy. He wasn't. Like I've got scars on my body to prove that he wasn't that compassionate. Like I don't mean he did the scars, but I like I have scars on my body where I would come home bleeding or whatever, and he'd be like, ah, no, don't don't worry about it. Just rub some dirt in it, you'll be fine. Like I needed ten stitches, but yeah, just rub some dirt in it, you'll be fine. I've got a scar on my hand that that's the case. I needed stitches in my desk. Ah, it's no big deal. One time I was uh, at a neighbor's house and I was standing at the gate and they had this guard dog. It was like a German shepherd mix. And it was always in the backyard with another gate that would lock. But um, this particular day that, that gate got left open and the dog came running out and jumped on me, pounced on me, and then started chewing my, my forearm, my, my, my left forearm, you know? I mean... I was bleeding everywhere. I was crying. They finally took the dog off of me. You know, I was like 13 years old, and I was upset that I'd been bit up, you know. And, 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 and you know, the lady of the house like, you, you need to go see your parents. You might need to take you to the doctor, you know. And so I go to my house, and my dad's there. My mom's not there. My dad's there, and he's like, ah, it's merely a flesh wound. You'll be fine. Just walk it off. <laughs> Like, I got no stitches. I should have had a few stitches on my arm, but I didn't. And then later on, I realized he was just quoting Monty Python to me, like, it's just a flesh wound. Just don't worry about it. You're fine, you know? <laughs> I think that sometimes because those things don't go together for us, Father and compassion, we miss out on the, on the comfort and compassion of God. Like, we have an image of our Heavenly Father that, that just kind of, matches our earthly father a little bit and we just miss out on the compassion of God. What happens is there's this bad theology that begins to develop inside of us. Like we start thinking that, <clears throat> well, he must, God must not care. That's like bad theology. God, like I'm out here drowning, I'm about to drown, I'm being pulled out to the ocean, I'm being sucked away in this current and that you know, he's just on the beach kind of rubbing his hand, feet in the sand. He just doesn't care. He sees me, but he doesn't care. And oftentimes that's a little cassette that keeps running in our head. Or another bad theology is that he cares, but he can't do anything about it. Like he does care. Like we accept that maybe our Heavenly Father does care about us and does love us. But for some reason, he's just not intervening. For, for some reason, he's not changing my circumstances. For some reason, it's just like it's, it's not, so he must not have the power to do anything about it. 
And so again, this stuff begins to play in our head like a cassette. And so what Paul is saying, listen, you need to remember who God is. He is the God of all comfort. He's the God of compassion, right? That word comfort is kind of a combination word. It's a word that, that, that basically means soothing and strengthening. Like the God of comfort is soothing and strengthening. You feel better and you feel stronger when the God of comfort steps into your, into your space and begins to minister to you. You feel better and you feel stronger, right? It's interesting is that that same word comfort is, that same word comfort is a, is a name for the Holy Spirit. Like he is our comforter. And so when the Holy Spirit steps in and when the Holy Spirit begins to minister into our lives, what we feel is we feel, we feel comfort, we feel soothing, and we feel strength. We feel stronger. This is what God does. That's who he is. He is the God of all comfort. Now, we need to be careful not to confuse comfort and comfortable because I think sometimes we set, up our, we set ourselves up to expect that if God's going to intervene in my life, that I'm going to feel comfortable. And those aren't the same, you know. In fact, Scripture doesn't support that. He's not the God of the lazy boy. He's not the God of the day spa. He's the God of all comfort. That's who he is. The Bible also describes another father in the Bible. The enemy, he's a father of what? Lies. Lies. So God is the father of compassion. The enemy is the father of lies. What do you think the enemy likes to lie about? He loves to lie about the comfort of God. He loves to let that tape run in our head that says God doesn't care. Or he cares, but you know, he doesn't have the power. to. You, you messed up so bad. There's no way that God's going to fix your situation. There's, you're hopeless. Those, that's another word that the enemy, the father of lies, likes to use. You're just hopeless. Yeah, like, like maybe you had a chance 20 years ago when you were younger and, you were, and you, were, you were conscious of this, but you just never really changed. And now 20 years later, you're just hopeless. It's impossible. Forget it. There's no chance. And we get stuck with that cassette player rolling in our head. And I know I realize I'm saying cassette player, and there's some of you saying, what is he talking about? I don't even know what a cassette player is. Ask me later, right? Last week, I played that video of Nick Magnotti, that young uh, man that had cancer who died at, at the age of 28. In the longer version of that video, of when you listen through, we might make that available actually, but in that longer version of that video, what you'll find about Nick Magnotti is that, <clears throat> is that he, despite the cancer, despite the reality that he was, had this newborn baby and he would never, he wouldn't get, be able to see her again, he had this joy about him. In fact, he calls him, when he talks about himself, he said, they asked the question, one word to describe yourself, and he says, blessed, knowing that just in a few months he might not, no longer be alive. And what's very clear about Dick McNaughty is that he had experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. He had experienced the soothing and the comfort and the strengthening that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so we need to remember who God is, right? Paul also describes God. He says in, in verse 3, he says, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles. That word troubles <clears throat> is kind of an interesting word. It's a, it's a generic word, right? It feels generic. Like, what does troubles mean? I mean, there's all kinds of troubles. Like, 
Trouble could mean, man, I got stuck in this long line at Walmart. You know, that's trouble. <laughs> like, I don't want to be in this long line at Walmart, you know. But I think it's a little bit more, Paul, when he's talking about trouble, it's, there's, it's a little bit more, it's, it's a stronger word. It's, there's more to it. There's a seriousness about it when he talks about it. Like, it could be used broadly for a lot of things. It could be used for suffering and struggle. It could be used for sin and temptation. I mean, it could be used for a lot of different things. But one of the ways that Paul uses it in this context is the word pressure. Pressure. Being pressed. In fact, he talks about this in a little bit. We're going to look at that, pa uh, that passage in a second. There was this ancient um, execution um, method they don't do it anymore. I think it's probably terrible that they would ever do it, but they, they, they used to do it. It's called pressing. This is what it looks like. The idea is that this person was a convicted criminal, and he was sentenced to death. And so what they would do is they would lie him, tie his hands and his feet, and they would put this board on top of him. And then they would put weight on the board. Now, they wouldn't drop the weight. They wouldn't take the, in other contexts, it was stones. They wouldn't take the stone and just throw it on him. That's not what they would do. What they would do is they would just lay it on him. So the feeling that this person feels when that first stone gets laid, is it's pressure, but, but here's the thing. He's not going to die from it. It doesn't feel that bad. I mean, it feels bad, but it's not, it's not critical. It's not, I'm not going to die. And so he's lying there, and he's feeling the pressure, and then they come and they put another stone, and then another one, and then another one. And he gets to this point where he's beginning to feel this pressure, and he still can breathe, but then that one stone where he puts it in, suddenly he cannot breathe. He usually gets executed at that point. That's the word... This imagery here, that's the word that Paul is using when he talks about the trouble that he's facing, the pressure that he's feeling. Look what it says in verse 8. <clears throat> he's, this Paul speaking. He says, we were crushed, or the word pressed, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Like, that was the trouble that he was in. The trouble was this pressure that was pressing him and crushing him, and he felt like they were not going to be able to endure this pressure and this struggle. Now, here's what I want you to notice about this verse right here, is that Paul is being very vulnerable here. He's being very open here. Like he's saying, I wasn't going to make it. Now, we're not talking about just an ordinary person. We're talking about the apostle Paul is saying, I wasn't going to make it. This is too much for me. Now, I kind of, it must have been hard for him because I, I get it. You know, sometimes when you're in leadership and, and you're kind of, people are looking at you and they're expecting you to have a certain level of strength, a certain level of capacity or whatever, and somebody comes along and says, hey, how are you doing? But you're struggling. Your, your default is to say, I'm good. I'm good. I'm making it. I, I'm, I'm surviving. I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine. You know, I know it, it's tough. There's some hard, hardships, but I'm Okay. But what I see here from the Apostle Paul is that Paul is giving us a model of how we're supposed to deal, when we're, how we're supposed to be when we're in struggle, when we're, in, when we're feeling pressed, when we're troubled. It's not really about my strength. Like when I'm struggling, it's not really about my strength. It's not whether I'm going to be strong enough to overcome the trouble. But it's really about my weakness and my dependence upon God. 
That's really what Paul's doing. That's what he's doing. He's saying, listen, I don't know that I can make this. I don't know if I can survive this. And so what we see here, Paul, what he does, he models for us two things. He models first that he recognizes the dilemma that he's in. He recognizes it. That's a huge leap forward for us sometimes when we're in trouble. Because it's easy for me to walk around and just pretend like there is no trouble. Like there is no, I'm not drowning. What are you talking about? I mean, I'm neck deep, but I'm not drowning, right? This current's not taking me out to sea. I'm strong enough. Paul first recognizes it, and then he reveals it. He reveals it to others. Recognize it and reveal it to others. Like if you're struggling, it's dangerous for you not to recognize that you're struggling. To be like being pulled out by this current out to sea. And there's all these beachgoers, they're all there on the beach. And you're just embarrassed to let them know that you're struggling. It's dangerous for you to not recognize it. And then to not reveal it. And so Paul is saying, he's recognizing, it's not saying this, he's, he's actually modeling it. He says, recognize that this pressure is more than you can handle. And then tell somebody about it. I've heard it said this, I've heard this said once, revealing is the beginning of healing. And I feel like I'm speaking to some people in this room, maybe many of you in this room. You've been caught in a current and you're just not sure how you're going to survive this current. A relational current, sin current, an addiction. And you just don't know how you're going to make it. It starts by recognizing it and then revealing it. So I want to challenge us as we begin this series to essentially do that, to make some, take some internal inventory about where we are in, in, this, in, in life, in this season, and to ask ourselves some questions. You know, how am, I, how am I doing? How's my spirit? How's my soul? Have I been impacted by the things around me in such a way that I'm just less than what I used to be, spiritually speaking? Take that inventory and begin to recognize it and then reveal it. As I'm talking about this, I feel like I'm speaking to three primary groups of people in this area. Number one, I I feel like there's some of you, your struggles like anxiety and depression and anger, they've just been with you for a long time. It's kind of chronic. Like you're just familiar with the pressure. Now you've managed to, by God's grace, kind of overcome it to some extent. You've got a good community around you. Maybe, you've, maybe some medication is helping you. And you've managed to, to, to live with it, so to speak, right? But it's just chronic. It's just always there. It's always present. You just know about it, and you've got tools. You've got ways that you're dealing. You're, you know, you've kept your head above water. And you've got this community that helps you. And so we're thankful for you. I'm glad that you're, that you're doing that, that you're that you're seeking out help, that you're allowing people around you to speak into your life, but it's always present. I think there's another group of us in this room that, um, like you were caught in this current and it started sweeping you out, but you were miraculously delivered from that pressure. 
Like you've, you, you've found yourself in the last couple of years falling into this addictive behavior and you just did not want that. You didn't expect it. You decided that's not what I want. And you cried out to God and God stepped in and he t- completely set you free from it. In fact, there's people in this room that have been delivered, miraculously delivered from from depression, from anxiety, from from addictions. I mean, there are people in this room that God has set them free. Listen, you need to seek the help you need when you're struggling, but never forget that there's nothing more powerful than prayer. Never forget that, right? There's no medicine more powerful than prayer. There's no therapist more powerful than prayer. And I'm not saying those are bad. They're not bad. Seek the help you need to get. But man, we have an opportunity to cry out to God. And the Bible tells us that in the name of Jesus, demons flee. There is power in prayer. The third person I think we're speaking to here is those of you that when we moved into this season, you pretty much were pretty self-sufficient. You felt pretty good about yourself. You didn't have any major issues in your life. You didn't have many struggles in your life. But then this season happened, and next thing you know, you find yourself in uncharted waters. You thought you were always strong enough. There was never a riptide that was going to pull you out. You were going to be good. But suddenly now you find yourself out in open ocean. You're like, I never thought I would be here. Like, this isn't me. I didn't expect, this was somebody else. There's other people I know that they're susceptible. It's not me, right? And so I think that Paul would be speaking to us when this pressure is coming down on us. He said, listen, you need to be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. This is where you're at. It's not a time to look at shore and say, I'm embarrassed to say anything. It's a time to say, hey, this is where I'm at and I need some help. I mean, if Paul... If Paul could be honest, so can we, right? Let's look at verse four. It says, God comforts us in all of our troubles. We've kind of been saying in that verse, God comforts us in all of our troubles. Now, why does he do that? Why does God comfort you when you're in trouble? I mean, you know he loves you, right? But, but why does he comfort you in trouble? Paul answers that question. He says, so that, so that we can comfort others. When they, are, when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. This is one of the main purposes for the comfort of God. Right? <clears throat> There's something powerful, powerful about someone else that understands. Right? You remember that? Somebody comes along and says, yeah, they, you totally understand what I'm going through. Uh, back in November of last year, um, Christy and I, we went to something called the ELC Conference, Ex- Executive Leadership Conference, um, as, as part of my role with our state. I have a, a, a position in our state with the Assemblies of God that um, every year we go to these conferences, <clears throat> and I've been to maybe three or four of them by now. And uh, I remember when November rolled around last year to go to this conference, I was so excited to go. I mean, generally they put us up in a really nice hotel, kind of a resort type of hotel, and the schedules, the schedules there's meetings, but it's very relaxed schedule, so you're not rushing to meetings or anything like that. 
And there's a lot of, you know, just a lot of connection, com- camaraderie, and that, those kind of things. But I was excited to go. And the reason I was excited to go, because in some ways, I was wanting to escape the pressure. Like the pressure I was feeling as the senior pastor here at Life Church, and the challenge that we have here as a church, all the things that we go through, the uh, financial challenges and on and on, I could, staffing challenge, whatever, all the different challenges, vision and, and planning and st- strategy and all of those things. You know, there's some weight to that that kind of, kind of presses a little bit, right? But then on top of that, there's other challenges that, um, that, I, that I face that are more related to the state and, um, and some of the things that we were going through in this past Several of this past year, several years has been pretty heavy, pretty weighty. And so I was really looking forward to getting to this, uh, to this conference and just kind of escaping it all, you know, and that's what I wanted to do. You know, and, and I'm saying this, and I'm not, I'm not saying this so you can feel sorry for me, okay, because I realize that there are many of you in this room that you have experienced the same pressure in this, culture, in this past season, right? Like if you're an employer, you've probably struggled finding employees because people are not coming to work. Like maybe you've experienced some financial setbacks because of you know, the supply chain and all those things. That's been difficult for you. And you found yourself financially being set back. So I get it. There's many of you that have experienced a lot of pressure in these last couple of years, and I understand that. So I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me. I'm just recognizing something, and now I'm kind of revealing it to you in front of you. <laughs> right? Um, anyway, I was, we're there. And uh, what town was that? I can't remember the name of the town. Savannah, Georgia? Was that Savannah? Savannah, Georgia. That's where we were. And, um, <clears throat> and so one morning I got up and I was on my way to the gym. Early in the morning I was on my way to the gym. And I, there was a, a, a brother that I had met a few years before in Colorado. His name was uh, Nelson Gonzalez. He's the assistant superintendent for the West Texas District. And I, and I met him there uh, three years before we had a great connection, man. We just we we prayed together. We we had some common uh, struggles. He's a pastor of a church. I was a pastor of a church. He had adult children. I had adult children. So we, we had a good, a great time of connecting and and praying for each other three years before. But I hadn't seen him in three years. So now I'm leaving the room. I'm on my way to the gym just this past November, and I'm walking down a hallway and I look up and there's Nelson walking towards me. And we made eye contact. And as we got closer. His eyes welled up, and my eyes welled up, <laughs> and we embraced, and we hugged each other in the hallway. And um, it was weird, because we weren't saying anything. We're just <laughs> hugging. Um, and I just kind of stood there for a minute, and I think at some point it just got a little bit weird, and so we just kind of let go. And I said, man, it's so good to see you, Nelson. Man, it's so good to see you, Rich. <clears throat> Sometimes it's not what you say, it's what you've gone through that's important. <clears throat> you know, my prayer for us as a church is that we would be people who would experience the comfort of God and the compassion of God. You would experience it, that you would find healing and wholeness, that you get to a place where you, where you reveal it where you, you recognize it, then you reveal it, you just tell people, say, listen, this is what I'm struggling with, will you walk with me in this journey? But the purpose of that comfort is not so you just, that's it, that's the dead end of it. 
The purpose is so that you can then be a blessing to others. And here's my prayer for Life Church. My prayer for Life Church, for you there in Wilton and Cedar Rapids as well, is the same thing. That people will walk in through, this, through these doors struggling feeling caught in a current, feeling like they can't break the sin in their life, feeling like they can't, you know, they're not, have no hope for their marriage, they have no hope for the relationships that they're in. They're struggling, they're struggling, they're struggling, but because you have experienced the comfort of God, because you have experienced the, the compassion of God, when they walk through those doors, a sympathetic tear, an embracing hug, an understanding hug, that's more powerful than any sermon I can ever preach is when somebody says, I get what you're walking through. I know what you're walking through. And so in this series, we're going to explore the comfort of God. And my prayer is that you, first and foremost, would experience it. But then secondly, that you will become a blessing for those that need it. Amen? Let's all stand. I'm going to ask you to stand. Those of you in Cedar Rapids and Wilton, will you stand as well? I, I honestly, I, I feel this as I was preparing for this this week. I, it's almost like a no-brainer, you know. At any given moment in a church this size, somebody ex is experiencing pressure. Somebody is struggling. <laughs> Somebody's marriage is falling apart. Somebody's stuck in a current of sin, of addiction, pornography, or whatever it might be. And so I'm not... Uh, I'm not naive to that. I just know that's true. That's real. And I think it's easy sometimes to just go to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and pretend on Sunday morning like everything's great. And they just go right back into that current and just be just get sucked out further and further and further. <laughs> I just want you to know that that's not what God wants for you. God wants to be the God of compassion, the God of comfort for your life. He understands what you're going through and he wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. But it starts with us recognizing that we need it and then revealing it to others. And that's when the healing process begins for us. Amen. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you this morning and I'm going to pray for you in Cedar Rapids and Wilton as well. And <clears throat> What I'm going to pray is just that first and foremost that you would recognize where you're at and then start releasing it to God and revealing it to others. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you, God, for your presence in this place. Father, we stand amazed that no matter what our circumstances, no matter the, 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 the depth of depravity that we fall into, you are still a God of love and you love us. You woo us. You call us back to yourself. And Father, in many ways, that's what this message is this morning. You're wooing us back to you. Just like the Apostle Paul was in a, in a place of incredible amount of pressure, far beyond their ability to endure. I know, Father, there are some in this room that are exactly there, far beyond their ability to endure. They need you, Holy Spirit, to step in and be the God of comfort and the Father of compassion in them right now. We pray, Father, for the people that will be coming in the, in the next weeks and months or walking through these doors broken, hurting, desperate, caught in, in currents of all kinds of different things. We pray, Father, that we would be the church 
that embraces them, that understands what they're walking through, and that we would be the conduits for this God of comfort, the Holy Spirit, to move in their lives as well. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place right now, whether it's here in Coralville or whether it's in, in that ballroom in Cedar Rapids or whether it's in that auditorium in Wilton. Father, we invite you, Holy Spirit, right now to visit us, to speak to us, to challenge us and help us, Lord, to, to basically recognize where we're at and reveal it to others so we might experience your comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>